The Athletic. Sterling on to Mount. Mount to finish it. That will do nicely. Connor Hazard, six foot six in that goal frame. And Polistic scores. Ball to Sané, deep into the penalty area. Sané, and it's two. Kai Havertz doubles the lead inside seven minutes here in the MSV Arena. Ah, the sweet, sweet sound of blues on international duty. This is straight out of Cobham, the Chelsea FC podcast from The Athletic. Every week we get together to discuss all the big news and notes from SW6. Coming up on this episode, who's been where doing what? It's an international roundup, not a series of allegations. We'll look ahead to the second leg of Chelsea Women's Champions League quarterfinal with Wolfsburg, as well as the upcoming Premier League game with West Brom. We'll answer your questions and more, available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Outta Cobham. Hey folks, Matt Davis-Adams here once again, joined by The Athletic's three Chelsea experts. Dominic Fifield is with us. Good morning. Liam Toomey's on board. Hello. I can't I can't stomach international football, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, going bold from the start. You'll enjoy the first section of the show. Uh, and it's a very happy Monday <laughs> to Simon Johnson. Hello. <laughs> I, I was going to try and think of something funny to say, but no, I, I never can. Your delivery was humorous. <laughs> I just thought I'd do my, I just thought I'd start with my best Maurizio Sarri impersonation. <laughs> Very good too. Right, let's start by whizzing through what those Chelsea players on international duty have been up to. So the main story to emerge Chelsea-wise from the recent internationals, probably that N'Golo Kante suffered an injury on France duty. The club say it's a small hamstring problem. N'Golo on Twitter, I don't think it's the same one, asks, any chance Kante won't be fit for Porto? Liam, he's, he's back at base being assessed. Well, N'Golo on Twitter should know, surely. Um, yeah, we don't know any more than that at this stage. If they're saying it's a minor hamstring issue, then it's likely to be, you know, may, maybe a few days, maybe a week or two at most. But the thing with hamstring is, injuries is you cannot rush them. No one has ever run off a hamstring injury, so he'll be out for as long as it takes to to feel right again. Yeah, you think West Brom on Saturday is probably one he could sit out anyway, if needs be. Uh, also in France news, Kurt Zuma played the full 90 in Le Bleu. 2-0 away went to Kazakhstan on Sunday. Mason Mount's had a great time with England. Dr. Joe tweeting post the 5-0 win against San Marino. Mason Mount created eight chances in open play in the first half against San Marino. The last player to create more in an entire match in the European World Cup qualifier was Xavi for Spain against Bosnia and Herzegovina in 2008. Uh, Mount went off at half-time in that game, as did Rhys James. Ben Chilwell also started. Mount then went one better by scoring in England's 2-0 win against Albania on Sunday. Uh, as we heard at the top of the show, Kai Havertz scored in Germany's 3-0 win against Iceland. Tony Rudiger started that one. The pair also began Sunday's 1-0 win in Romania with Timo Werner replacing Havertz late on. 
Emerson started Italy's 2-0 win against Northern Ireland last Thursday, but was an unused sub as they beat Bulgaria by the same scoreline at the weekend. Andreas Christensen played in Denmark's 2-0 win against Israel, but sat out the 8-0 thrashing of Moldova. Um, Simon Christensen's been nominated for the Premier League Player of the Month award for March. He's up against Ian Acho, Kane, Lingard, Mares, Melier, Shaw and Trossard. Do you think he's got any chance of winning? I'd be surprised if he wins it, but the fact that he's a nominee is notable in itself because I can't remember him being nominated before. I may be wrong, but it's still an indication of just how well he's playing and and how well he's thriving under Thomas Tuchel and and really taking the opportunity of of replacing Thiago Silva. I think we all thought when when Silva pulled up lame, there was an instant, uh uh-oh, like this is the worst case scenario. He's been Chelsea's best defender all season, just brings that calm and and assuredness Um, and ahead of such an intense schedule as well with, with some tough games. But Christensen has come in and played superbly and um, has actually done the remarkable feat of making Silver not really be missed at all. I'm sure Silver, of course, has been, uh, as uh, Tuchel explained before the international break, he didn't want to rush him back. There was no point for the, for the previous game with the international break and, and two weeks to get him fit. Um, I just think it's great to have that option now of of the two of them. And, and as we saw in the last game, Christensen actually played to the right of Zuma. So, which is something that Tuchel's also made clear that the two of them could play together. So, um, my long-winded reply to your answer is no, he won't win it. But the fact he's even in contention is uh, is a is a credit to him and and a, and a sign of just how well he's playing. Yeah, he's turned his form around, which is what we're hoping that Christian Pulisic can do. Um, Dom, you said international duty might, might do him some good on last week's pod. Well, he played the first half of the USA's friendly against Jamaica in Austria, and then he scored the winner from the penalty spot as they beat Northern Ireland 2-1 in a friendly over the weekend. So it's not going to have done him any harm by the sound of things. No, and it was it's more about game time than anything else, but the goal will, will help his confidence, I would have thought. Um, just getting some minutes under his belt. To come back to Chelsea in in slightly more rhythm, um, and I'm sure it would have the change of scenery would have helped him as well because as as we mentioned before, he's this is a a kid effectively that that's been deposited in a foreign country for the weirdest time of any of our lives. Let's be honest, um, society all over the place. Um, so it would have been nice for him just to just to get a, a change of scenery, just to blow away a few. A few cobwebs and and uh, see some old mates. I'm sure he'll come back refreshed and and eager to prove his his quality at Chelsea again. Yeah, Chelsea all go, also got some players away with England under twenty ones. Callum Hudson Odoi and on loan defender Mark Gurhey, both part of the England side that lost their opening Euro under twenty one group game to Switzerland. Hudson Odoi then picked up a minor injury in training, not expected to keep him out of any Chelsea action. He did sit out the defeat to Portugal. On Sunday, though, which Gerhi started and Conor Gallagher came off the bench in. That result leaves England on the brink of elimination. Uh, here's a question from CFCJ who asks, has this international break come at a good time for Chelsea? We're in good form, but there's still the sense that some players need that time away, especially the attacking players. Liam, it's kind of a difficult one to answer when we've still got fixtures to go and we, <laughs> we don't know there might be some key injuries or whatnot. But, but it must do them some good, just a little break away from Cobham in this season of all seasons. Yeah, I think in that sense, just the change of scenery could be could be good for some of them. 
Um, some of them, of course, are still at Cobham and Tuchel gets a chance to work with them. But it's always a bit of a trade-off with international breaks and you don't really know how whether it's been beneficial or not until the players come back. If you're a coach like Tuchel, you, you don't know until you get the group back together whether it's had a positive or a negative effect. And, you know, Chelsea were on a really good run heading into the break and part of you is worried that maybe they lose that momentum at a time when they've got a really winnable run of games that they have to rack up the points in to put themselves in control of the top four race and, of course, maintain that momentum leading into the Porto tie. And then you mentioned the injuries as well. You know, it was only a week or two ago Tuchel was saying the problem Billy Gilmore has is that N'Golo Kante, Mateo Kovacic and Jorginho are never injured. Well, Kante's back at Cobham now with a, with a minor hamstring problem and Jorginho sat out Italy's games um, with a knock. So these things can always have unforeseen consequences, international breaks. And I think generally club coaches would rather not have them at all. All right, next today, we'll turn our attention to the women's team. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. On Wednesday this week, Chelsea women play the second leg of their Champions League quarterfinal with Wolfsburg. The Blues 2-1 up after last week's thrilling first leg. Like that game, the return will be played in Budapest. Here to reflect on that inverted commas home leg and look ahead to the rematch, it's the Athletics women's football correspondent Katie Wyatt. Uh, Katie, brilliant result for Chelsea in the first leg, finally getting a win against Wolfsburg. Fair to say they were slightly fortunate though, given that Wolfsburg hit the woodwork three times and, and, and Katrin Berger performed her standard heroics. Yeah, it was a strange one, really. I think that we have not seen Chelsea struggle like that for a, for a long time. I think that they were on the rack for such large portions of that game. But even when they were struggling, they still had moments where they looked quite good on the break. But for them to just turn that around in the second half and just have those moments of magic that we have become so accustomed to seeing from Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby, um, it just really sort of typifies what this Chelsea team are about and their ability to produce these moments so it was a very difficult and different challenge for them but I think that the interesting thing with this Chelsea team is that we are seeing them rise to so many different challenges this season so the fact that they did it again is should probably be unsurprising at this point but will be a, it was a real real achievement for them for sure. So Chelsea were, were excellent I don't know about you but I was a little bit disappointed in Wolfsburg particularly I thought their, their defence looked quite ropey was that down mainly to the pitch or, or are they not the force that they were a couple of years ago? I'm not sure. I mean, I was fairly impressed by a lot of their attacking play in particular because everybody who watched the game would have seen them doing all these sort of flips and tricks and head tennis style um, stuff as they were in and around Chelsea's box. So they were very, very impressive on the break, but obviously just their finishing was suspect. And I think that was a real achievement for them to even reach that point because them losing Peniel Harder to Chelsea last season was a huge loss for them because she was the jewel in their crown for so many years. And I think defensively, it's very difficult to say. I mean, I don't think that they flattered themselves in with their um, what they were doing for Sam Curl's goal. I don't think it was very wise uh, to try and play out from the back like that. But um, we have seen them in, in still doing really, really well in the German league. So I'm not too sure what conclusions I can kind of draw on their defence from one game. 
Um, so after that one game, Chelsea flew back to England to play Villa at Kings Meadow on Sunday. Slightly concerned about, about the timing of the game, but actually might it have turned out to be the best possible thing because Chelsea made some changes but not loads, were able to keep ticking over, got a routine win and, and it was basically a gentle stroll. Yeah, it was six changes for them and I think they it was one of the where they really had to be patient for it. They were... It's just, I've said it earlier, but I think that this Chelsea side, they're just very good at rising to every sort of challenge and finding a solution to whatever problem they can face. And they had to wait a while to break down this Villa side and for, but when they did, Kerr and Kirby were just on form again and did what they always do in the way that they always do it. Um, so I just, you sort of feel for a little bit, as long as they have Kerr and Kirby on the pitch, they've got a bit of a get out of jail free card almost because they're just oh, never not going to produce. Um, but it was just a different question for them that again they answered and I think that for them to make the number of changes that they did and we're all well aware of the depth in this Chelsea squad and to then go on and pick up the points that they they needed was particularly vital for them and just keeps them ticking over in the WSL and gives them a very good chance at getting the quadruple this year. So you mentioned Kerr and Kirby there, who've obviously been the stars over the last month or so, and, and Penilla Harder scored against Wolfsburg too. Chelsea without Bethany England at the moment, she's she's got a concussion. Is it fair to say she'd probably struggle to get much game time at the moment anyway? It's quite difficult to say because, I mean, it's very hard to look beyond that combination of Sam Kerr and Fran Kirby and just how dynamic they are and the way that they have connected so instantly. And I think if you were playing Beth England just behind that, then she would certainly be a creative force and wouldn't necessarily be ruled out of the picture. But you wouldn't, I think, be willing to build a team around her strengths at the moment as much as you are willing to build them around Kirby and Kerr. But certainly I think that there's still a very much a place for her and you have seen them playing with them this season. So I, I wouldn't rule her out of having a starting place at all or being very much a part of this Chelsea side because we have seen very much those three working together and even working together as a forward, Peniel Harder as well, and just Chelsea really throwing all sorts of the, that attacking, um, I don't want to say attacking triangle because there's four of them that attacking square <laughs> Um, in the forward um, line so I don't think it's uh, out of the question that she will start again and continue to feature this season but I don't think that she's the key component of this Chelsea side and it's certainly Kirby and Kerr whose strengths they'll be wanting to build around. All right finally then Katie do you think Chelsea can get the job completed against Wolfsburg and and if so what's going to be key to them doing that? Um, I think probably starting with far more control in the game than they did I think that they were under so much pressure and were being threatened so much for that whole first half they just really need to set down a marker early on and get back to them having that control in the midfield areas in particular um, and just maybe allowing Frank Kirby and Sam Kerr to torture defences with the glee that they, they usually do and I think that if they can do that early on and rattle Wolfsburg and really just dominate possession a little bit more than they did in the first leg then that might be a really key marker I think that the um, scary thing is the amount of attacking talent that Wolfsburg Chelsea side Chelsea absolutely do not want to get into a position where they're just riding wave after wave after wave of Wolfsburg attacks because as good as Ann Berger is and as good as that Chelsea defence is it's the Chelsea team should do far better um, and should be aiming for a lot higher than that and I think that it's always a very risky strategy to try and ride out wave after wave of her attack so hopefully they can um, maybe get a little bit of a foothold in the game earlier on than they did in the first leg and then we'll start to see um, Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby produce those 
moments of magic and those moments that they're really famed for and Chelsea can sort of control it as much as you can because it's obviously a big ass to control a game against a side like Wolfsburg. Maybe that is too much to ask and unrealistic, but I just feel instinctively that they maybe need to start a lot better than they did in the first leg. Katie White there, read her only in The Athletic. Uh, Danny O'Brien tweeted to ask what the prize money for the Women's Champions League was. Danny, I can tell you that the winners get around half a million dollars. Uh, Liam, here's Dean Mears asking, have Kai Havertz and Timo Werner got what it takes to become the Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby of the men's team? They've got some potential, these two, haven't they? Um, <laughs> I think the, the comparison definitely works with, um, with Kerr and Werner. Uh, I think we've we've referenced it on the pod before, but Kerr is probably a decent example for for Werner to to try and emulate because she came over was missing hatfuls of chances, constantly getting into the position. So her movement has always been excellent in in this team. Um, but now the finishing touch and the rhythm and the confidence seems to be in full flow, and and we're finally seeing the real Sam Kerr in English football. And she's been weaponized at the head of a already incredible Chelsea attack. So we're we're seeing the best version of her. And Kirby, yeah, I mean, you couldn't get someone physically more different to Kai Havertz. Uh, but I guess they do kind of drift drift between the lines in a similar way. Uh, very elegant on the ball, driving with it. He's got to raise his game a little bit uh, to get to the level that Kirby has maintained this season because she's probably been the best player in the WSL. Um, but I, th- I thought there were some promising signs in the highlights of Germany's game. As I said, I don't watch international qualifiers. I just can't do it. Um, but they looked like there were some interesting moments from Havertz, particularly against Iceland, scored a great goal, had another, had another nice goal chalked off for offside. So he's continuing to show the signs of life that he showed um, for Chelsea in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll see if he's involved when West Bromwich Albion visit Stamford Bridge this coming weekend. We'll look ahead to that match next. Sam Aladici will be bringing his 19th century tactics to West London on Saturday as his surely doomed West Bromwich Albion serve up Chelsea a softball on the return from the international break. Uh, here's a question from James. I'll put it to you, Simon. How many points from the remaining games do you think Chelsea will need to secure a top four spot? I got a grade E in GCSE mathematics, so I'm staying well away from this one. <laughs> Get your calculator out, Simon. <laughs> I, I'm I, I'm playing it with a fairly straight bat. I'm gonna I'm gonna go sort of two points per game to make it safe. So another eighteen, perhaps nineteen to make it to the seventy point mark. If I'm being a bit greedy, I think that works out. I think that works out with my maths. So, yeah, and I think that's achievable, um, the way they're playing at the moment. If Chelsea get that kind of return, that the teams below them, like all the teams, um, barring Man City, haven't really shown that that consistency. So it, it would take some to uh, for them to get more points than that, I think, um, to overtake Chelsea. So, um, so yeah, that, that, that was my, my uh, conservative estimate. I'm just looking at the remaining Premier League games. One potential fly in the ointment is that other than your beloved Crystal Palace and, and Arsenal, the rest of the teams that, that Chelsea have got to play have pretty much got something to play for. I guess you might chuck Villa in, into that category on the final day of the season. But, you know, still got to play Brighton, Manchester City, West Ham, Fulham and Leicester. They're, they're all teams who, who won't be playing in flip-flops at that time. 
Well, yeah, but I don't think that can be used as an excuse for for Chelsea not not uh, prevailing in a lot of those games. To be honest, I, that can work both ways. If they're playing against teams that are haunted by relegation, there can be anxiety in 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 the Fulham ranks, for example. I mean, there certainly will be this weekend at West Brom because I, I suspect this defeat that West Brom suffer at Stamford Bridge on Saturday will pretty much be the nail in the coffin. That's that's them done if they're not already. Um, Man City may have won the title by then. They're well clear. They, they play, f- I think, four games from the end of the season. I mean, Leicester and, and Chelsea could both be well ensconced in the in the top four when they meet in the penultimate match as well. So, I mean, it's, I don't think that's a, a problem. If anything, it should serve as a motivation. If, if Chelsea know they're up against a, a, in a stern test, you know, they, they will be challenged, then they'll raise their game accordingly. Um, the last thing they want is complacency setting in. I mean, obviously, I hope complacency sets in at Celeste Park on Saturday the 10th, but but uh, the reality is it, it won't. And I, I fully expect Chelsea to, to build up ahead of steam. The, the games on that list that, that are actually the most intriguing for, for me are things like West Ham away, you know, because West Ham at the moment are hanging on in there. They're on Chelsea's shoulder. Um, they will go into that match knowing that they have to win that game to, to, to flip that round and, and make sure that they... They they're the, the the team in that in that top four going into the run in. Um, be intriguing to see how Arsenal cope at Stamford Bridge as well because they're very very unpredictable. Arsenal, I think they try in every match. I don't think there's an issue there. I just think that sometimes they they try and they're awful, and sometimes they try and they're quite decent. Don predicts a Chelsea procession. Be worried, fans. <laughs> well, I was just feeling much better after that, to be honest. Uh, in terms of Saturday's game, Liam, if you're, for example, Tammy Abraham, you've got to be absolutely desperate to start this match, haven't you? You've had that period at Cobham trying to impress your, impress your boss. He got the last-minute equaliser in, in this fixture back in October too, but this feels like a, a vital, a vital opportunity for him to impress. Yeah, definitely. And you've just had the last... Two weeks as a reminder that your your England aspirations are slipping away for the moment as well, um, because England are playing and scoring, <laughs> including your teammate Mason Mount. You're having to watch other Chelsea players, Reese James as well, building their England careers while you're rehabbing at Cobham and trying to gear yourself up for this for this one game. And and Abraham's in a situation right now where every time he'll play it's going to be a referendum on him as a player under Tuchel or, and a referendum on him being the number nine that Chelsea need. Uh, unfortunately for him, that's just the way it is. That's just the kind of pressure he's going to be under. I've always got the sense with him that he's, he's someone who, who relishes having that pressure. I think he's got the mindset to succeed at a big club, but he's just uh, I think he's just running out of time to to show in the remainder of this season that he can be the, the striker that Chelsea need. Yeah, big game for him. Simon, I was just looking back at the, the reverse fixture from the Hawthorns back in October and a lot of elements about that game make it feel like an awfully long time ago. You know, Chelsea with Caballero in goal, a really ropey defence, marshalled by a, a Thiago Silva who had a bit of a nightmare on his Premier League debut and, and Marcos Alonso spending the second half on the team coach. Things change quickly in football. Yeah, and also a tremendous comeback, let's be honest. Um from three goals down. I mean, it was a complete shambles in the first half. Um, it seemed like every time West Brom went forward, they scored, which was three times, I think. <laughs> it was literally, that's all West Brom did, but the, the calamitous defending. And yeah, it does seem like a long time ago. Uh, but one of the things I, I sort of remember from that was was also the flash of Kai Havertz, who's been sort of criticised for long periods this season. But 
I think we saw in that game the kind of quality touch that he has around the box. I remember a lovely layoff to to Hudson Odoi for for one of his goals, uh, Mason Mount scoring the kind of goal that Lampard uh, would score from sort of twenty five yards, and he hasn't probably shot enough from that range um, in his career, and something that he needs to add to his game. But it was a cracking game. But very much two points dropped from a Chelsea point of view, even though they came back from 3-0 down. They can't afford to make um, such sloppy mistakes on, on Saturday. I don't think they will because I think they're they're better organised now. Obviously, players like Thiago Silva, if he, if he does come back, maybe being safe for Porto, um, but if he does come back, he, he's going to be in... Um, He's going to be more uh, sort of tuned to English football than he was on that day. I think um, playing at the Hawthorns was a bit of a bit of a shock um, in those circumstances. But yeah, I just remember it being an absolute cracking game of football. But indicative of the Lampard era, really good going forward, very entertaining, but always susceptible to, to the counter attack and, and a sloppy mistake. Well, Chelsea versus West Bromwich Albion is at twelve thirty UK kickoff time on Saturday at Stamford Bridge. We will, of course, react to it in next week's show. That's just about it for this week there. Before we go, let's see what the chaps have been working on for Athletic subscribers to enjoy. Simon, you've been writing about Mason Mount. Yes. <laughs> much <laughs> Tell to, us more. Much to mixed reactions as per usual. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I trod on that minefield again. Um, yeah, no, I, I sort of... Um, it's kind of a bit of a follow-up to Liam's piece of about seven, eight weeks ago uh, when, when Liam wrote a piece when there was a lot of alarm when Tuchel just took over. But now we're highlighting, well, actually, he's won over another coach, um, as the minutes table shows. I mean, he's fifth in the table for most minutes, and that's despite being rested in one game and being suspended for another. Um, it's just it's just remarkable um, how he sort of... There is this sort of great, great pool of people that, that continue to not like him, but he continues to win over managers. And anyone that thought that the teacher's pet of the front Lampard era was was going to be phased out by Tuchel has sort of been disappointed because he's become a mainstay of of his team as well. And we're going to, with with help from uh, our analytics guy, Mark uh, Carey, we're going to detail of how he's actually become even more of an attacking threat under Tuchel. Um, plus a few nice little anecdotes about, for example, when he paid for... Um, the academy players he he walked past a cafe in Cobham saw them all eating away and he just snuck in and paid the bill for them which I thought was a was the kind of thing and I hate I hesitate to say this because I know the kind of reaction it would garner from certain factions but it was the kind of thing that John Terry would do when he was captain is do that kind of thing and uh, uh, I'm also told that that academy players are told to look at Mason Mount as an example to follow in terms of the way he acts, conducts himself, the way he trains, the cliche of first to arrive, last to leave, all that kind of stuff. So I go into a lot of detail about that. But in terms of pieces for the rest of the week, um, I'm also doing a piece with, on Ross Barkley. And a bit off the wall, a bit off the Chelsea patch, I've uh, gone and uh, followed Russell Martin. He's a, a very uh, rising, prominent coach at MK Dons and is playing in a very sort of Chelsea sort of style of play, although actually he uh, he models his, his style on Pep Guardiola's Man City. Yeah, doing good things. An unattractive football club playing an, un, an attractive yeah. style of football, it would probably be fair to, to yeah. call them. Um, Liam, what about you? What are you working on this week? Um, so I, I did a piece over the weekend on the Haaland sweepstakes 
And for anyone who doesn't get Haaland, what are the other options? Uh, so that piece up on site at the moment. Be sure to check that one out. Patrick Bamford's inclusion in the list uh, raised a few eyebrows. This week, I'm working on a piece about how Chelsea actually defend so well. We've written a lot about individual defenders and kind of the the smaller picture of the changes Tuchel has made. But I'd like to, to look at a big tactical picture of how they defend from the front, how they defend transitions and all this sort of how, how a below average defensive team has become one of the best defensive teams in Europe in the space of 10 games. It's been the transformation that has completely, uh, you know, underpinned this team's success under Tuchel. So I think it's worth looking at. And later this week, I'm working with Dom um, and a couple of other people on a piece that I think a few of our subscribers have wanted to see for quite some time. A look at Malang Saar who Chelsea will be coming up against with Porto because lone players can play against their parent clubs in UEFA competitions, as Chelsea found out with Thibaut Courtois a few years ago. Whether he will play or not, not sure, because he's not a regular starter every week for them, but he has impressed at times this season, and so I think he's more more than well worth a closer look. Excellent. Dom, as well as that, what else will you be working on in the coming days? I'm doing a piece about managers who get abused by their own supporters. I imagine Rafa Benitez probably comes into that in the Chelsea context. That's ahead of uh, Mourinho versus Steve Bruce's Newcastle this weekend. And uh, there's a piece up uh, with a bit of a Chelsea slant on um, the Whitgift School connection that went up end of last week. Callum Hudson-Odoi, Jamal Masiala, who made his Germany debut um, as he's now a senior international. Um, and various others. Uh, Victor Moses, while he was at Palace, went there, but obviously he, he made his name largely with, with Chelsea subsequently. So there is a bit of a connection there with uh, with all things Chelsea. Excellent. Theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to get all the info on how to sign up. Right, that'll do it for us this week. Many thanks to Dom, Liam, Simon and producer Lucy, but mainly to you, Lister. We'll catch up with you again same time next week. Until then, from all of us here, it's bye for now. The Athletic.